Welcome to Hour of Devastation, the weekly Magic the Cavern podcast where we talk all things Magic the Cavern. I'm your host, Joel Loudon. Uh, but before we start the show this week, I would like to take a moment uh, to dedicate this episode to the life of Hannah Kimura. Hannah was a professional wrestler who sadly took her own life on Friday night after months of online abuse and harassment. Hannah was one of my favourite professional wrestlers, and it's an absolute tragedy that her life had ended this way at only 22 years old. She was fantastic in the ring and was rising quickly on her path to superstardom. Inside of the ring, Hannah was was pure, passionate and kind. Watching her on Terrace House, we got to see the most vulnerable and intimate parts of her final moments play out in real time. She wore a smile until the end. This tragedy did not have to happen, and I implore everybody listening to think about what you say on social media. There is a real living person on the other side of the screen, and if everyone is kinder to each other, then maybe we can prevent this ever happening again. If you aren't aware of her or her work, I'd recommend checking out her five-star Grand Prix final match against Konami, uh, the elimination tag from uh, between her team, Tokyo Cyber Squad, and Stars from 15th of December last year, or any of her feud with Julia over the past year. Rest in peace, Hannah Kimura. You'll be greatly missed. Hour of Devastation is a fan-supported, listener-supported podcast, supported by people just like you. If you like what you hear and want to show your support, head on over to patreon.com slash devastation. A pledge to start comes as little as $1. Thanks. And with that introduction out of the way, I w- would like to welcome our, I guess, my, my two guests, if one of guests. One of one of you is always here, Sam Neil. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and our very special guest this week, that is Emma Partlow. Hello, everyone. How, How are you doing? doing this week? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, I, I'm pretty good, all things considered. Mm. Sam, yourself? I'm yeah. really warm. It, it is horrifically warm today, isn't it? Yeah, I decided to film an entire coffee pot with coffee in this very warm room, and based on how the audio sounded last week, I've turned off my fan. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here sweating. That's what I'm doing. Lovely. What a lovely thought. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So people want to think in, about when they listen to this podcast. Fully back into that British summer mode, I think, where <laughs> everything's like, it's not hot, but it's too warm. It's muggy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and because of that, everyone's just ignoring social distancing, so it's a fun time to live <laughs> anywhere, really. Hmm. Cool, right. I think we have... I think we've got a lot to talk about this week, right? Yeah, I think so. Lots happened um, in the magic world. Yeah, surprisingly. After weeks of just us trying to pull stuff out of our ass, trying to find magic content to talk about, we've actually got quite a bit to talk about. So I don't know where everyone wants to start. I think I about... think we we should start with our guests. So Emma, it's obviously been a little while since we last had you on the show. How has I guess how has your your magic world evolved since then? Because you've been doing some great work. Um, it's been really weird because with the whole lockdown and. You know, I can't go and play paper magic and so forth. I haven't really played that much magic because, yes, I can play an arena. Yes, I can play magic online, but it's not the same. Yeah. You know, I really miss the, the gathering aspect. I miss playing in a pod of commander with my friends every Sunday and playing cube, for example. Um, so, yeah, I've just been kind of, I've been playing, I've played a little bit online, but it's just like, I feel like I'm going through the motions a little bit. It's not quite the same. Um, but yeah, otherwise... I'm just making like a hundred commander lists, so when I can play again, I'll have a lot of commander decks to roll with. Awesome. I mean, that's exactly what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> just keep building commander decks that I can't really find any time to play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this finds something to do with magic, I guess. 
Yeah, I, I think just... I've been pretty much on the same page. Like other than the commander decks, it's just been yeah, I'll fire up Magic Arena and Magic Online, but I definitely feel that, that going through the motions thing. It's definitely as far as Arena goes, it's how I've been feeling over the past couple of months. It's because Arena isn't a very good program. I mean, we're about to say a lot of bad things about Wizards of the Coast, right? Sure. So <laughs> we can start yeah. early by saying I think Arena's not very good. Arena is fine. It's just I'm not the demographic for it, and you know what? That's fine. That's completely fine. Like everything Wizards make doesn't have to cater for me. But I prefer playing my magic in paper with friends and doing silly commander shenanigans and you know what, that's fine. So Yeah, I, I think yeah. for me, like Arena Arena is really good when standard's good and standard doesn't feel too good. Uh and I also just really wish you could turn the animations off. Yeah, that's that's one of those ridiculous things. I did I have accidentally watched people play Hearthstone recently. Yeah. Which is something I haven't done in about three years. Arena does look a lot better than Hearthstone. Oh yeah, definitely. You've got to give it to him because when I first saw Hearthstone compared to Magic Online, I was like, "Oh, this this looks really really good," and then I didn't care about Hearthstone for ages, um, and then I went back to look at it, and it you know Arena does look a lot better than Hearthstone. So they've got something right, I guess. If they're trying to poach those players and appeal to that sort of card game esports market, they're doing a good job. I said we've got a lot to talk about, but this isn't one of them. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got to ease into it, Sam. You can't just go bam. <laughs> Clearly, you haven't listened to this podcast. Before. <laughs> <laughs> cool, right? Um, with that other way, should we should we talk about something that's happened this week? Yeah, I think so. So, not only is it the return of our awesome guest this week, it is the return of an awesome range of magic products. So, last week we got the announcement that Double Masters would be coming soon. That's the return of Master sets. Uh, they were indefinitely discontinued uh, in 2018. They were put on a hiatus. They said Ultimate Masters was going to be the, the last one for a while uh, with no sort of date of when they would be back. Uh, they used the term hiatus so we all assumed that oh, at some point they'll be back but none of us expected this. It was very out of the blue and I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean they put it on indefinite hiatus and then realised that they can just milk magic players for as much money as possible, right? Yeah, I thought so, I think so it's back. I think the funny thing I found about it when they said, Oh, it's the last last master set quote unquote for a while, um, I expected longer than eighteen months, which is the usual rotation for master sets, so yeah. it doesn't really feel any different. <laughs> It's just like, oh, is that how long it's been? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well it's ultimate, been ultimate masters was Ultimate Masters was what, December twenty eighteen? So it's probably a little oh bit God. less than that. Um, but yeah, but as, when they went, oh, you know, it's going to be for a while, I, impl- I, I kind of assumed, oh, it's like five-ish years, you know, give or take three to five years, not in 18 months, and then just slammed out another master set. So um, I'll be honest with you, I'm a little switched off from it because I'm really sick of seeing Wizards printing all this product and I'm just completely desensitised to it just because doing content, I kind of have to keep my eye on it, but it's just... It's getting a bit boring seeing stuff every week and previews every week. I just want a break from it, to be honest with you. Yeah, but that's definitely something we've talked about at length before, about just the sheer amount of stuff going on in Magic that you sort of, as an entrenched or enfranchised player, you have to care about. Mm. Yeah. And there's just so much going on all the time. And I I sort of assumed that they'd replace Masters with the supplementary products we're getting, and with your, your Modern Horizons and the Secret Layers and everything like that. And it turns out that that's just also a thing they're continuing to do and just bringing masters back because they know they can sell you know however much the boxes are currently retailing for i think it's roughly 300 dollars. and the interesting thing about this double masters is that it just feels like commander masters just given what we're seeing from the previews 
Yeah, it does. And, and considering we have Commander Legends coming out at the end of the year, <laughs> it's a bit of a weird thing to put in the set, I guess. Yeah, so it kind of feels like we have two master sets out this year, and it's just like, oh god. And then you've got so you've got like Core Twenty One, which is which preview starts in June, I believe. So that's like what two, three weeks away. Then yeah, you've fourth got of June. fourth of June, and then you've got all the secret layers. Then you've got Commander, all the Commander product, Commander Legends, and then you've got Double Masters, and then whatever else supplementary-wise they bring out between now and the end of the year. And it's just like, how am I going to keep up? You know, I like I, I understand I don't need to buy every single thing that Wizards bring out, but it's very hard to know what you want if there's too much choice. Yeah, I'm very bad at making decisions. Oh, no, <laughs> so, I, I've been with you around GP Birmingham buying foils. I, I've seen the decisions you make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alright, alright. I don't need to be called up like that. Yeah, well, instead of, you know, putting $1,000 into uh, reserveless cards and cards that will hold the value, I put them into random commander foils. It's a good decision to make, right? But, uh, yeah, like, I, you know, I make a decision on what thing to buy out of the current roster of just the sheer amount of products, and I just always feel like I've made the wrong choice. Because there's always something else that I feel appeal- appeals to me more once I've already spent money on something that I don't actually want anymore. Mm. Yeah. Um, which I think is the, is the problem with this but <clears throat> speaking of it being Commander Masters I think we should briefly go through the current previews that we do know yeah so which, just, what we know about the, the product so far is it's releasing on August the 7th it's 332 cards 24 packs in a booster box so just like your standard master sets uh, this time it's a bit different it's a 15 card booster pack and each booster pack will have two rares and two foils uh, and when you buy a booster box they all come with a box topper as well like all my masters did except this one because it's double masters for that double theme you get two box topper cards per booster box yes can we can we talk about how bad double masters is as a name it's yeah pretty horrendous it's <laughs> one of the worst names i've ever heard for a magic product because <laughs> um, you know we was like eternal masters and ultimate masters like okay i kind of get it right it's like them trying to put all the eternal cards in like jason Sculpture and and force of will and Ultimate Masters is like, we've got everything that's meant to appeal to every kind of player in this product. And then Double Masters, you get I guess two things. Keep in mind that Ultimate Masters was originally going to be called Graveyard Masters. It's true. That's that is cooler. True. I mean, sh- sure, but that makes more it's sense. It's still better than have... Double, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> Double Masters. Does that mean we'll get you Triple get... Masters in 18 months? <laughs> yeah, and then you'll get whatever 15 Masters is. Playset Masters. Yeah. Playset Masters, there you go, yeah. Um... I do find it weird that they that the the box toppers you get two of them and they're going to be non-foil. Like I understand that you know poor quality of foils has been a talking point yeah. forever for Magic cards, but it, the kind of cards that they're printing, which I will now list. So we have uh, the ones we know have a Blightstalk Colossus, Doubling Season, Atraxa, Kalia, uh, and Madagrit. Yeah, and those are the kind of cards that Commander players will just snap up in foil. Yeah, definitely. Because outside of Blightstall Colossus kind of seeing some play in Vintage, despite the fact that it's been usurped by Bolas of Citadel, all of those cards are exclusively Commander cards? Yeah. Mm. Right? I mean, there's like a Planeswalker doubling season deck in Modern, kind of, but that's not really a thing. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I mean, yeah, sure, we only know four of the cards in the set so far, but it, it is very odd when you see, like... Um, you see, like, the, you know, the, the highlight feature cards in this set that's meant to be for... And franchise competitive players, uh, and yeah, they're all they're all commander cards, and they're all non-foil. But commander players want foils. 
maybe maybe it's kind of similar to how they did Ikoria, where they had these alt art cards. You can get them as a box topper, or um, you can get them in the pack as foils. Maybe I don't know how the distribution's going to work, but maybe they might just mix around with it. Um, Given that you know you're getting twice the chance of getting you're getting two rares, there might be a a chance where they might put something like that in. Yeah, that's very true. I just think it's a bit of a weird choice because people that are going to pick up those cards are going to want them for, for pimp decks anyway. If but just to be fair, to be f- to be fair, if they're box stoppers, they're going to be bent anyway in most cases. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. <laughs> uh, and I'd be I'd be I'd be less annoyed if it was a non-foil as opposed to a foil. I guess it's still not great, but. <laughs> Yeah, seeing all the pictures of people opening their Recorio boxes and just seeing their cards I was, just severely I, bent I, I was very nervous when I opened my box of Recorio. Fortunately, it wasn't bent. There was a misprint on my card anyway, but it wasn't bent. <laughs> oh, good. Different problem. That's better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't think about that because they just didn't glue them into the top of the box. They just sort of chucked them in yeah, there. Yeah, like it, it, it's, it's been like that since Ultimate Master, so it happened before. I knew someone who had a Liliana the Veil box topper that was just in two because they just... Sh- shoved them in the box without really, you know, putting any care into it. I mean, I'm surely it wouldn't be hard for them to just put a little bit of glue on it. Oh, the, the, the best box. way to do it is just to put it in the middle of the booster box. So you you put, like, two layers of boosters, you put your box top, and then you put the boosters on top so it stays flat. Like, uh, that that's, sounds... com- that's common sense, but I don't know. That sounds entirely too sensible for Wizards of the Coast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I... For the first time, I'm actually happy with the Wizards' decision that they've made because I think Master Sets are one of the best products that they do. Yeah. Because there's very little to get wrong in a Master Set. Like, I mean, I guess I guess Iconic Masters was terrible, right? No one likes Iconic yeah, Masters. Yeah, Iconic Masters, was, was it was just wrong. Um, Masters 25 had its its flaws as well, definitely. But, you know, the majority, majority of Master Sets have been, have been fantastic and, you know, even the ones that contained a you know a, a bad card selection still had fantastic draft environments yeah definitely i mean uh, masters 25 at least i guess accomplished its goal sort of mm-hmm. of of printing we definitely said this at the time printing what were iconic, iconic cards right um whereas iconic masters was just some cards that they decided to put in a set yeah um yeah i mean i mean the cards we know so far are very exciting um like having a blight still reprint it's the first reprint it's gotten Doubling season, you apparently can't print enough for that price to actually be affected. Yeah, same uh, for Mana Crypt as well. Like, yeah, the more Mana Crypts the, the print, the better. And then <laughs> the fact that you've got this big fancy full art box topper version is the, is fantastic. The thing is with Dublin season and Mana Crypt in recent times, they were printed in supplementary sets that did not affect the the, the circulation of those cards. So yeah. Mana Crypt was in the mystery boosters which has an insane amount of cards, did not drop that price at all just because it was so hard to come by. And same with Dublin Season and Battle Bond. Like, yeah, it's cool that it was printed, but there was like hardly any Battle Bond products. So it's just, it was like $25 for a week and then it just shot back up just because there wasn't yep. enough Battle Bond product to make it cheaper. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Double Masters if there is a generous print run to actually influence the price of these cards more than just like the two weeks usually so yeah i think cars like that they just they just follow this it, it, i mean the price is almost exclusively driven by commander yeah because anyone that wants to own a mana crypt for a format where that's legal already owns a mana crypt uh but i mean it's just it's a case of like people wanting these cards like dubbing season and mana crypt for the commander decks not being able to afford them and then they suddenly get reprinted the price goes down slightly so everyone that wanted one buys one and then the supply dries up again 
and every, no, there aren't any left in circulation. And I do find it with Mystery Pieces specifically is that the Mana Crypt price was barely affected, but loads of other rares in that set just like completely tanked. Mm. Uh, like if you look at like Sakashima, <laughs> you can pick one up for like three euros on card market for that card. Yeah, the like the the Manlands from Ultimate Masters is a good example. There, like Raging Ravine, for example. I remember when that was yeah. like a twenty five quid card, and now it's what what five quid, ten quid. I'm still impressed by how low those cards are. Like I, I picked up a creeping target for Commander deck, and I was like, how is this 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 cheap? I remember that being like a forty dollar card for for a long time. As somebody who writes about budget magic, I'm quite happy, so I can't complain. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, to be fair, uh, are the creature lands even good anymore? Yeah, I think that's it. I think a lot of it comes down to you know, having tapped lands in modern just is just too slow nowadays. Why play tap lands when you can play Astrolade? Yep. Yep. That's a card no. we've talked about. <laughs> Do not bring that card into my presence, ever, Jesus Christ. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I can't imagine using Creeping Tarpa or. Like uh, Celestial Colonnade, yeah. Like, I was th- using that as a win condition in modern just seems embarrassing at the minute. Like, I can't imagine yes. like that being the way that I would win a game. Well, if you're activating the Colonnade on like turn five, you're losing the game because you've probably lost it by then. <laughs> modern is like yeah. modern is horrifically quick at the moment because you've got Lurus. Yeah, I mean, how are you getting to turn five? Most you're of the not. time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm very happy about. Double Masters existing. I like Master Sets. They're normally good draft environments. Yeah, that's uh, it. I think like it feels really strange saying this, but I think for once, like I am, I am the target audience for this product. It's a, it's a, a high variance, high powered, limited environment with expensive reprints at a premium cost. Like, sign me up. I'm definitely going to feel bad if I do a draft and open a track, so though. That's not going to be a card I want to play in limited. I'm kind of interested to see what lands are printed into Double Masters. They've already yeah. said that none of the fetch lands are in the set, so that would imply that Commander Legends is probably where we're going to see the fetch lands, and um, the alleged reprint that Wizards talk about. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of interested to see what kind of lands they bring in, because a lot of the cards are rainbow-coloured. You know, they're... Well, not rainbow-coloured, they're free colour, so obviously you need good fixing to play these cards so it'd be interesting to see what lands kind of get reprinted to double masters I can see them doing the filter lands again filter lands are a good shout Um, I would love to see the fast lands but yeah that would be great uh, like the original scars the scars lands Um, I mean even the Kaladesh ones are getting up there in price yeah like I could see them in double masters but then again they can't be played in pioneer which means you have to reprint them again anyway so um it's a, it's a tricky one, but I'd be surprised if we don't have like a decent rare land cycle in Double Masters. Yeah, I would assume that there's going to be plenty of artifacts for, for mana filtering as well. Um, yeah, cause you're right, like, you're never going to play an Atraxa if there's no, if there's just no, if the mana isn't there, like, you, you can't do it, you can't play a Kalia. So I, I, I assume there's going to be some some good mana, like, even Black Blight Steel as well, like, there's either going to be ways to cheat it into play, or there's going to be ways to generate 12 mana consistently yeah like you could you could see like the the bounce lands maybe because they're normally in master sets um or maybe like the original tri lands so like the khan's lands and the shards lands maybe as well yeah definitely definitely i mean i'm excited with the product now there is something we know about it that is not great yeah so we know about some leaked cards uh are you both comfortable we don't have to talk about the specific cards because leaking cards is horrible for magic and everyone that does it is a bastard but are we happy talking about the, the 
the, the leak situation. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, Obviously, they're can, all. We could talk. You can talk about. It. I mean, it, it's Reddit, it's on Reddit, like. Yeah, this is the thing. It's like we can mention it here, not go into specifics, and then if you really wanted to know, you could just look it up anyway. So or just look, go go to Reedy's video. I think it's the yeah. best way just to look yeah. it. That's the thing. Like we, we, if we say it, then we're not telling people. Especially with the schedule of editing that's going on at the minute, this podcast will be out far later. <laughs> I mean, all the <laughs> cards might have been spoiled by that time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we can go through the cards. So um, cool. Yeah. So obviously everything's unverified at the moment, and Wizards of the Coast definitely won't turn around and go, "Oh yes, these are real. These are on the set." Um, most likely, they'll preview the cards as per their schedule. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a good good handful of, of powerful cards have been been leaked or, or spoiled um so there was a post that went up on a saturday morning our time on reddit uh and then not too long after there was a, a video from alpha investments where uh he, he read out emails and showed emails that he'd received in february and march with a, a list of cards uh, that are supposed to be in the set uh, and also the information that oh there's a new master set coming out it's called double masters it has two rares and two foils per pack. Uh, it's coming out this summer. Uh, you know, we 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 don't know we don't know how accurate the list of cards provided is at all. Um, but I th- I think for me at least the fact that somebody in February was able to go oh double masters is coming out and it specifically has this many number of of rares and foils per pack is. It's definitely a sign that there's there's some truth to what has been leaked. I mean, I'm. I think that it's probably a reasonable leak. Like one, I think that so. You can, you can trust the information in it. Um, I mean, we saw we saw the same with the courier, right? Where someone just called the triomes. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, the one that reminds me the most of is the Eternal Masters when that was leaked. Um, a few months before the, the set was announced, somebody had, had put a post on Reddit saying that there's a new Master set coming out, Uh, it's going to be announced soon, Uh, it's going to be called Eternal Masters, it's going to be reprints of Eternal cards, and then they listed a bunch of cards, Uh, Jason the Sculptor was on that list, Uh, Eternal, not Eternal Witness, Um, Stoneforge Mystic was on that list, which obviously was not printed in that set, but most of the cards that that were talked about were printed. So, I mean, I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm leaning towards believing this leak and some of the cards on it. I mean, if some of the cards on it are being leaked, then I'm kind of happy about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If those are actually going to be in the set. Um, do you want to hit the cards that have been... Uh, that were put on that list? Yeah, I guess so. So, the the supposed cards that are in the set, uh, we've got Force of Will, which is always fantastic as a reprint, I think. Uh, we've got Jace the Mind Sculptor, always great. Doubling Season, obviously this this was a list that was sent in February. And we know Double Dublin Season has been confirmed. Uh, Mox Opal. Mana Crypt, which also has been confirmed. Khan Liberated. Uh, Thoughtseize. And the Tronlands. No, you said that card name wrong, Joe. <laughs> Sorry, yes. The, the, the card name that was provided to us was Khan the Liberator. Yeah. Maybe it's just a new card. <laughs> it's maybe it's double, like a, double Masters Horizons. Yeah, maybe it's like... Uh, a new Khan that like, costs two mana and is very good in every constructed format. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they were to do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, those cards are all cards that I think should see a reprint and that we would need to have printed, right? Yes, agreed. Especially Thoughtseize. Thoughtseize yeah. is a big one for Pioneer. 
Yeah, I mean, as someone that just finished their playset of Law and Thought Seizers, I'm not that happy about it, but <laughs> <laughs> having, having more Thought Seizers in the world is certainly a good thing. I kind of wish, I kind of hope the that if if this is true and this is very loose, I'm I'm fifty fifty on whether I believe it or not. Um, if the Tron lands are true, I really hope it's the Magic Online promo ones because yeah. they are incredible, and that'd be really yeah, nice really to own up a foil set of those. So really definitely. Nice. That's amazing. I mean, I would also, in that vein, I would also like them to finally print the uh, Magic Online art of Chalice of the Void. Ooh, yes. yes. That would be very nice, yeah. Technically, they have, though, with the judge promos. Yeah. Yeah, but like a card that people could actually own. <laughs> <laughs> and also, than, yeah. with, with, with the Tronlands being supposedly in the set, it kind of leads into the whole Blightsteel Colossus that you can actually play actually Tron cast it, in Limited yeah. and cast it maybe again like it, um, we're just speculating but it, we'll have to see yeah it sounds feasible like if you've got you know got Khan Bites or Colossus I mean I, I could see them putting like one of the Ulamogs or something or an Emrakul in there because that's the kind of card they would print in the master set that are always in need of a reprint so like it kind of seems feasible but um, I mean yeah I, I'm, I hope those cards are in it and I hope that the person who leaked those cards knows that they're a dick yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and hopefully, if you're listening to this, then that's not us, <laughs> and you already know about this list and have seen it. It's already all over social media and Reddit yeah. and everything, like we said. So, like, we're not going to, and this this podcast will come out very late. So, we, um, I mean, if we're the first people to have told you that these cards have been leaked, then I, I, you clearly aren't that engaged with magic. So, all <laughs> oh, right, I think that's everything about uh, double masters that I'm interested in talking about. Unless anyone else has got anything else to talk about. No, I just think yep. it's great. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I can't wait to see the rest of the cards in the set as well. I know at this point we know that there's going to be 40 Mythics in the set, so that's going to be quite interesting. And yeah, I'm dead excited to learn more and learn about how uh, card distribution within booster packs work as well. Of course, that's the most... Show me the Joe sheets, Laden. yeah. Yeah, that's the most Joe Laden reason for being excited about Magic Set. <laughs> 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 Jesus. Cool, right. I guess while we're on the topic of supplementary products do we want to want to talk about secret layers for the hundredth time on this podcast might as well right yeah yeah so secret layers back who'd have thought how long has it been since the last secret layer um not long enough i, I don't know i genuinely don't know it feels like there's just every one there's just one every week at this point yeah but we have some new ones which are quite i mean they're cool designs i i like them just sort of trying to pretend like they're not printing money and actually printing something that's kind of innovative and and new like sort of arts on the cards and stuff like that yeah so the ones we currently know about and i'm not going to remember the actual names but we have secret layer birds which is a bunch of bird cards we have secret layer alternate universe planeswalkers yeah which is one i would definitely like to talk about and one that just has magic cards with tattoo art on it yeah secret layer full sleeves I hate that name. I hate that name very much. Cool, right. Which one do people want to talk about first? I say we should talk about the burbs. Yeah, it's always a good a good idea. <laughs> talk about the burbs. <laughs> so Nissa Cosplay previewed earlier today uh, the new secret layer of Secret Layer Best Burbs. Um, it is four I wanna say it's five cards. Um, I don't know if they're foil because they haven't said. However, it is just five cards of burbs of like classic traditional burbs. Um, so you've got Birds of Paradise, Baleful Strix, Dovescape, 
Swan Song and Gilded Goose. And they're all in a nice secret layer packaging. And they look pretty cool to be fair. I think this is the first one I might actually buy because I want a Belfort Strix and the Birds of Paradise. Yeah, I mean, they look really cool. They're like actual illustrations of those birds, right? Yeah, yeah it's just like amazing. a swan song is just a swan in mincing yeah. around in the river, which is perfect. <laughs> Yeah, the like is just some, the something you'd find in like an like an old HarperCollins bird encyclopedia or something. They're really really nice illustrations. Yeah. The the illustration just reminds me of being in a pub in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> just loads of different birds. Yeah, it's yeah. Really good. Yeah, um, I get the impression. Now, Joe, I hope you're paying attention. That these aren't foil. <laughs> yeah, they, I, they I, only I, have the little dot on the on the black border at the bottom, not the star. Yeah, that is that is correct. They also oh, don't look foil in the uh, in the image as well. That's something I had to explain to you earlier this week. That was a fun oh, conversation. Oh, I did not know. Did you not know that either, Emma? Nope. Oh, I get to have big brain time. <laughs> All foil magic cards have a little star at the bottom between the collector number and the... Um, and the set name. The set, it's, between, it's between the set name and the language of the card. Uh, and all non-foil cards have a little dot instead. That's been true since M15. Oh. When that border was introduced, and that's how you know by just looking at the picture whether a card is foil or not. Yeah. Well, so I, I, knew, I knew that all of the foil cards had a little star, but I genuinely did not realise that the the non foils had a dot. Yeah, little dot. Yeah. I thought everyone knew that. Nope. That was that was fun to explain to a man who cares very much about magic finance, Joe Lamb. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, these ones these ones are really cool. Um, I don't really know why they did a bird one and why it's such a random array of birds. I mean, Dovescapes are real weird include. I guess they just sort of run out of playable birds. It's got the, the name has a dovescape Yeah, it. it's got it's got the word dove in it. Like, I assume like, are they all named after real birds? Is a Strix a real bird? I assumed it was a made-up yeah. magic thing. I don't know. I believe it's, I believe it's, a, um, it's a real terminology for a bird. It is, yeah. It's a, it's a real mythological bird. So it's not a real bird. <laughs> so no, it, it, it's not a real bird. But Strix is a word that exists in the English language. So it's like, so it's like unicorn, right? So yeah, it's yeah. Creature, but it's, it's it's something that predates magic. Okay, sure. It's like an it's basically just an owl from what I'm getting. Yep. It's just a magical owl. Okay, cool. Uh, it's a magical owl that is the, the it was a bird of ill omen and a product of metamorphosis that feeds on human flesh and blood. Lovely. Sick. Yeah. That's a black green card. Her black, her black blue card. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, all right, sweet. Well, now I know that. Uh, yeah, I mean, people that like burbs, I guess, can can buy their burbs. Is it actually called burbs? Yes. With a B. No, I don't uh, think so. It's just probably those secret layer birds, right? Secret layer birds. I mean, they yeah, they all look really really cool. Mm. Um, that Belfastrix is real angry. It's really nice. I want one for my yeah. keep. It's a very angry looking owl. Uh, yeah, this one's cool. Yeah, and I, I really like it. Yeah, um, yeah, they're not foil. I guarantee they're not. They're not foil. Seeing the number ninety four on a secret layer card is just kind of depressing. There are far too many secret layers. And with that being said, let's move on to the next one. Uh, we have alternate universe planeswalkers. Yeah. Yes, this one looks for quite cool. For some reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way that they've announced it is really cool because they've got different cosplayers to cosplay as one of the planeswalkers and then get that planeswalker to cosplay as a different thing. So 
I think the ones we know, we have Vraska Golgari Queen, who is now, for some reason, Vraska Prom Queen. Yeah. Which is fine. Uh, Domri Raid is a cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> which, which I'm a big, a big fan of. Uh, and then, like, um, Tamio Field Researcher as... Like, sort of uh, Indiana Jones? Yeah, Indiana like Jones. Like a detective, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of looks like she's dressed as Jace from that set, right? <laughs> like, Unraveler of Secrets. Mm. Yeah, a it's, bit. it's Tamio in a trench coat and a fedora for some reason. And and then superhero with Johnny Steadfast? This I think is the so, best yeah. one. This looks really it's, cool. It is very cool. I mean, the, the illustration on the movie, it's, it's, all, it's all really, really good. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, it's an interesting thing to do, I guess. Because we, I mean, we talked about different intellectual properties in... Magic the Gathering, and this is a kind of a version of that, right? Yeah, definitely. It, it's it is. It's a bit of a, a bit of a strange mishmash, but I think that this is what this product is is designed to do. It's designed to experiment as well as as well as you know bring to light some of their their really cool, interesting ideas. Like you can you can do anything with a secret lair, and they are they're experimenting with them. They're they're doing strange and interesting things. And it's also product research. They can see that oh, do players like you know, like planeswalkers, like cosplaying planeswalkers, essentially. Like if that a thing people want to see in, in sets, then sure, maybe we can do that as showcase cards in the future. Or do people like birds? Then okay, we'll do like a, a set where you can get alternate bird cards. It, I think it's a great way to both like test a product and also get some market research while selling a product at the same time. I really like the idea that somewhere in Wizards of the Coast R&D is a whiteboard that just says, do people like birds? <laughs> birds, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> or do people want a picture of Domirati riding a boar like he's a cowboy? And that one, the answer is definitely yes. Because <laughs> that art's great. But yeah, it's, it's a strange product, but I like them sort of... I don't know, do I like this? It's a weird collection of planeswalkers that I don't think anyone really wants that much. I think that's why they're doing it. They want to do it on the like the the not established like Hallmark planeswalkers because if it is really popular they can save that for a rainy day. They can do Liliana Vale as like a magician or something, I don't know. Um this or you know, Chandra as a fire breather or whatever, you know, so they've got plenty of they've got plenty in the bank to do this again but it's i think it's safer just to do it on things because that aren't well known or just not as powerful so they can just get a feeler yeah a feel of whether this is a sort of a potentially successful idea this isn't what people want i mean superhero johnny's very cool i love that it's very fun to cat uh, uh, yeah <laughs> johnny that's really good uh <laughs> cool yeah i mean sure if you want planeswalkers that aren't particularly good in any specific format I mean, you can you can play them all. You can play them all in your Dublin season commander deck. Like they all have green. In yeah, them. you can. You can. Apart yeah, from Ajani, Ajani is yeah. the only one that doesn't have green and will very, very easily go in your Atraxa Dublin season deck. That you can then go and get uh, full art Atraxa and box topper Dublin seasons. It's all coming together. Yeah. Finally makes sense. Right now, let's just right, right on the board next to bird question mark. You just put the string and yeah. Line is it like that, that scene from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? That's exactly what I'm going for, yeah. Pepe <laughs> Sylvia. Yeah, that's the one. Um, right, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the last one that we currently know about, which is the full sleeve one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Which, I mean, if we're talking random collections of cards, this one certainly fits to that category. So, we have cards with, like, tattoo, like, flash sheets. Yeah, like, it, it's like traditional Americana-style tattoo art. Yeah. Like, like, think like your Sailor Jerry, Ed Hardy-style thing. <laughs> Don't say Ed Hardy. That's going to oh, ruin them forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2020. Ed Hardy's coming back. God, I hope not. Why was Ed Hardy ever popular? Uh, I don't know, but 2020 is the year of the return, apparently. Yeah, good. I'm, I'm excited for it. <laughs> so, this collection of cards, uh, which is a real roller coaster of, of playable magic cards Inkmoth Nexus, Piffing Needle, Blood Artist, Spell Pierce, and Eternal Wits. What a weird uh, collection of cards. Yeah, right? Like, I mean, before we've at least seen, like, some semblance of sort of cohesion between the cards of included yeah. in the secret layer. But this one is just none of these cards have ever seen played together apart from maybe I guess Inkmoth Nexus and Spell Pierce, right? Yeah, but so these... I, I think like with this one, I don't know, like it feels really tedious, but you could say with this one it's it's eternal witness because because tattoos are forever. Once they're on your skin, that's it, they're there, they're eternal. Ink moth ne- ink ink moth nexus, obviously because it's ink. Pithing Needle, Tattoo Needle, Blood Artist, it's you it's a tattoo artist. Spell you're also potentially drawing blood. Yeah, spell pier- pierces piercing the skin. I'm upset that I had to find out that <laughs> line of thinking right now. I mean if anybody was gonna provide you with that line of thinking, you know, it's gonna be me, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this that is the most tenuous link holding together a secret I've ever heard. Oh, it makes sense as well. That's, I hate that so And then much. you even get sleeves for Arena. You do. Uh, they look really cool as well. sleeves, for God's sake. Oh, wizards, please. <sighs> okay, good. I'm, I mean, eternal winners, that's, that's pushing it. Because tattoos are eternal. Yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Okay, I mean, I I'm sure. Even. I'm sure they could have. Know, they could have thought of another card, but like, it's cool that Eternal Witness gets printed with with new art, and the art is very nice for that one in particular. Oh yeah, I guess the further we can distance ourselves from three snails, on the better, right? Yeah. I mean, it already had the UMA art, I guess. But okay, cool. Now I understand why the why the cards are in the pack together. But who's this for? Like. Who's buying this collection of Unless you're like going to buy it because you like the art and you want to frame it or something, like I understand that, but who wants all of these specific cards in one go to buy a product? Unless you have a deck that, you know, you have your Infect deck, so you want four of these Inkmoth Nexes, and then you also have some kind of Aristocrats deck that also wants a Blood Eyes and some Eternal Witnesses. It's a strange collection of cards to put in one go for people to buy at one time, right? Yeah, I agree with that, definitely. I think it is, it's more so the tenuous as it may be that the theme that's linking all of the, the cards together as opposed to oh, I really want you know, this exact collection of cards I'm going to buy this I'm upset now oh yeah I've just read just, I've just read the the flavour texts yep great art requires pain but not necessarily the artists okay very good a great wizard always has a few surprises up their sleeve. Uh-huh. And our, 
our lives are etched on our bodies, memories are illustrated on skin. Okay, fine. Alright, I'll, I'll concede. <laughs> this is kind of a good design. <laughs> it's not a horrible design for a product. I was so confused when I first saw this, but now I guess that makes sense. Um... I mean, yeah, they look they look cool. I guess they're also non-foil by the looks of it. Yeah. If you know you really wanted different art on your cards, then sure. I mean, at this one point, thing, just sorry, sorry uh, like one one thing I wish Secret Low would do is just do a, a foil version and a non-foil version. Yeah, and definitely. And you can pick which one you want. Yep. I, don't, I don't I don't get why they can't do it for both. But. Yeah, that's that's my biggest criticism of, of Secret Low. I think at the moment is like. Yeah, sure. You're gonna do these products. You're gonna do, you know, IRL DLC. Sure, fine. But I would, I would really like the option between foil and non-foil. Like those Godzilla lands, I definitely would have purchased those if they'd been available in non-foil. But I'm never gonna play the foil ones, and which wasn't interested in paying that price for a small collection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the same with I. I got a bit of blossom for my Mirren deck, and it's one of the only non-foil cards in there now. Because the art's amazing and I really want to own that card, yeah. but I can't get it in foil. Yeah, I don't know why they don't do that. Because, like, I guess they, because we talked about with the the first series of drops, like, they had the ones that were clearly commander cards, like your cats and your five color commanders in foil, because they know that commander players tend to prefer foils, and you had your your modern cards, like your Serum Ambitions and the Dredge cards in non foil, and like. You just choose both because some people, someone's going to have like a foiled out dredge deck, right? That they want their foil life loadings for. Yeah. I don't know. They make some odd decisions. I, I mean, we did try and call what secret layers were going to happen this year, and we didn't call any of these. <laughs> <laughs> no, we yeah. It's just secret layer birds. Definitely, the Phyrexian Praetors was definitely more what I had in mind than tattoos, but sleep, but magic cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't guess secret layer tattoo. Strangely. <laughs> Okay, well that's that's your secret layer chat for this week because I'm sure next week we'll probably talk about secret layers again because they just can't be stopped. Yeah, we know at this point we do know that those three secret layers are three of the five uh, that will be coming out in June, uh, which they they announced a little while ago when they announced the secret layer ultimate edition. If you purchase all five of them, then you'll get one of the secret layer ultimate edition fetch lands at random as well included with your purchase. So at this point, we only know three of the five. Um, I assume as, as soon as we stop recording this, the other two will be revealed. Yeah, that's normally how this podcast works. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, these are the ones we know at the moment, and they're f- f- fine. I still hate Secret Lair very much. Right, do we want to move on to our last thing on the, the docket, I guess, for this episode? Yes. Which we don't have any like hard and fast title for. I think it's just going to be a vague discussion. Um... But as well as making terrible design design decisions and completely ruining the power level of magic cards and just printing cards that no one wants, they've also decided to try and screw up organised play, which of course they have. Uh, so, I mean, I could moan for a while about it if you want, but has anyone else got thoughts before I just shoot into one of my signature monologues? <laughs> um, I guess we should probably explain what wizards have done wrong this time before you go on a tirade of, <laughs> you know... What up, wizards? Or at least explain to what happened because there's been a lot on Twitter the last few days, and I guess not everyone's going to be on Twitter, so it, it might be just be like, a, oh, you know, what's going on with organised play and competitive magic? So I think we should start with that, and then you can go, you can have your little monologue of, you know, whatever it may be. 
Right, uh, Joe, you're the most sensible one here, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to vaguely outline what we know? Yeah, I guess so. It was 25th of May, they posted a post up on magic.gg, which is their, their esports site, and they set out their, I guess, their roadmap for what's next for Magic Esports in 2020 and explain what was happening with the partial season. Obviously, things have changed a lot globally since, um, I guess, since they designed what Magic Organised Play was going to look like in 2020 and, uh, you know, currently there is no Magic Organised Play really, like, we we can't do any in-store play globally and I think this, this announcement they made was both outlining what their esports plan was but also how how they were going to cope or what they were going to do with competitive magic with all of this this situation with the pandemic in mind and they they made some some big changes really i guess so they've said that uh, they're shifting the 2020 partial season competitions from in-person destinations to online events played remotely through magic arena uh, and all previously cancelled and upcoming scheduled players events all players to a Players to Final Minneapolis, uh, Mythic Invitational Course at 2021, and Mythic Invitational Zendikar Rising uh, were now going to be played through Magic Arena, would no longer be in person or through Magic Online, anything like that. They've said that the events now follow a new schedule of days with updated prize pools. So the Players Tour uh, is going to be June 13th, 14th, and uh, June 19th to 21st, with $150,000 prize pool for each of four players to events. Players to a finals are going to be July 25, July 25th to July 26th, top eight uh, the following week- weekend on August 1st, and that event will have a 20, $250,000 prize pool. And finally, the Mythic Invitational, August 28th to 30th, and will also have a $250,000 prize pool. As well as that, they were announcing an entirely new event, the 2020 Season Grand Finals. This event will take place in fall after the release of Zendikar Rising, the top 16 from both Players Tour Finals and Mythic Invitational qualifying for the exclusive $250,000 prize wheel event. Uh, that's a lot of things, right? Yeah, yes. definitely. <laughs> I think if you look at Look at the previously scheduled events that have been updated, which are, were obviously going to be in person, but now they're going to be through Magic Arena only. We've got the Mythic Invitational for Corset 2021, the Players Tour Final Minneapolis, Mythic Invitational Zendikar Rising, Players Tour Americas, Washington DC, Players Tour Europe, which was going to be in Barcelona, and Players Tour Asia Pacific, which was going to be in Sydney. So they have all been cancelled. Um, you know, most of those events there were were mid to late October, so they've now been cancelled and they're all going to be on Magic Arena now. Yeah, which is understandable and um, I guess a good decision for them to make in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I think so. But it, it does leave kind of a bad taste for a lot of people that had qualified for a Pro Tour and now don't get to play a Pro Tour, they just get to play a glorified Magic, Magic Arena tournament, which is not the same thing. And, you know, people are losing out on that experience. And, you know, like I said, it's... It's fine for them to do that because we have no idea when you can possibly sit across the table from someone actually play a game of Magic. But uh, that that just kind of feels bad that they're not just sort of pushing those events, having yeah. different events in the meantime. Maybe those people get to qualify for two different events, an arena tournament now, or for whenever the schedule was, and then you know next year maybe you honour their Pro Tour qualification in that in that sense, not have to qualify for another event. Um, I know there's been quite a few people on social media that are 
upset by that, at, at, at least, that they don't get to play in the natural Pro Tour. They get to just sit at their computer and have a completely different experience. And for a lot of people, the reason to qualify for Pro Tour is you get to go to this big tournament and play against loads of professional players, and now you just get to see a name on, on the screen from who you're playing against. And that, that feels kind of bad, and I kind of wish they'd made a different decision, or maybe recon- reconsider the decision they have made. Uh, yeah, I I think at least I guess my stance on it is that I think they've done they've done the best that they can with with intentions of a providing a a high level competitive scene with a decent prize pool while also protecting the company's assets during this just just really uncertain time. Um, I think the decisions they've made are the best decisions for Wizards of the Coast, but they're not necessarily the best decisions for players. And I mean, that's part of the course, really, isn't it? <laughs> In terms of them... And it seems like recently they've just made decisions that benefit them as a company and potentially their shareholders rather than they have people that play their game. And it, it, it's just adding more fuel to the fire that they don't really care about people that have been invested in this game for a long period of time, that have kept them going for their entire duration as a game, and more care about what's going on now and how they can make the most money now. And every decision they've made just seems like it follows that trend rather than it follows the trend of we want the best experience for our players. And especially when you bring up the fact that they've changed the prize support. And again, you can understand that because of what's going on at the moment. There are uncertain times they don't know whether they're going to, you know, I guess, reach their profit goals in each of their quarters and being able to do these things. But when you're churning out secret layers and supplementary products and all this stuff, it seems like they're still selling their stuff quite well. They're still making money. It seems like it's still a profitable company. And to just gut what apparently seems to be $3 million from prize pools is not acceptable. Unless there's a lot of stuff I don't know that's going on. That's it. I think at the end of the day, there's only so much they can say about their their finances and their projected finances for this year, uh, given that they're, they're a public-traded company, and just anything they say about anything can and will affect share prices. And at the end of the day, they, they have to pay their shareholders, and they have to keep their shareholders happy. Um, I think, like I said before, I think the, the decision they've made here... A is the best decision for Wizards of the Coast, but not necessarily the best decision for players. I do think that it is still a, a good decision for players. I don't think that I think like look at the alternatives. Like they could have they could have either stuck to this and gone, oh well, we're gonna do some some special invitational events or these these player tour events. Uh, we're gonna fly everybody out to our esports arena somewhere and you can all play that. Like that would be a terrible situation given you know, the the pandemic, uh, or they could have done the complete opposite and gone, oh well, we're just going to suspend and cancel everything until further notice, and then nobody gets paid at all. So I think they've yeah. they've tried to find the best middle ground they can, and without being able to be completely transparent, I think they've they've just done what they can. I mean, I think they can probably provide more transparency than they're currently doing and explain their decisions in any kind of way, rather than just putting up this thing, saying this is what's happening now, uh, with some changes that they haven't explained, they've just sort of put them out there, they haven't been like, oh, we're, we, we've 
cut this from here, we've done this from here. They just put up the numbers and just expected us to all be okay with it. And they they could just be, like even if they'd said like because of the current situation we've had to cut all this money we're sorry like that would be better than just putting up the numbers and have loads of people complain about it and and have all these people asking follow up questions being like why is this happening and having absolutely no response. I it, it it's just it's more of what's he just not being transparent not giving justification for anything that they're doing which is just incredibly frustrating um and like i said yeah like, I, I agree they've, they've made like the decisions they have they've made they've made responsible decisions if nothing else in terms of moving everything online and making sure that people can still can play events but that for a lot of people that's not good enough and at the end of the day you you should if you're trying to be the best game that you can you should be trying to please your audience before you're pleasing people with money invested in your company I don't know don't you just love capitalism <laughs> what, a, what a great thing it's done to our game yeah I, I do agree with that I I guess I, I personally feel that yes they, they have made they've made a, a reasonable decision but I, I do think that they could have you know they could do things like like defer entry to to pro tours like we're seeing stuff like the like the arena open, um, which is happening fairly soon. I think if enough, if enough players who have qualified for these, you know, these these in person player tours decided that oh they want to defer their entry until like next year, let's say let's say they gave everybody the decision to defer their qualification until like this time next year, and enough players want to do that, then I'm fairly certain they could they could fairly quickly. Put together some sort of open and open arena tournament to qualify you for these events. Yeah, the, the thing is, they haven't they haven't given that option. They haven't been like hands up who wants to defer their entry. They've just been like, this is what you're doing now, and yeah. people don't want that, and I, I hate that. I think the thing I'm mainly angry about is that the Mythic Invitational, which has always been a point of contention, and it's difficult to have a sensible, nuanced discussion about because it just sounds like you're a whiny man on the internet when you complain about it because that's generally what whiny men on the internet complain about. But it's you've got these people who have done a lot of hard work and, you know, had things break their way and, you know, put a lot of time and effort and probably money into Magic to qualify for a, a pro tour or a player's tour or whatever the hell we're calling it at this point. And the, the prize pool for, for one of those tournaments is $250,000. And the prize pool for a Mythic Invitational where Wizards of the Coast invite you know personalities as well as the MPL, but you can't qualify for a tournament. It's a, it's a tournament that they decide. They decide the entrance of right. The prize pool for that is also two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So, in as as a reward for spending loads of time playing much the gathering and grinding and getting good, you get the same as someone who they've just decided deserves that entry fee. And I've. I've talked about it a lot before, and I know how it makes me sound. Right, that I don't think I think that people that get invited to the Mythic Invitational are also incredibly talented. They work incredibly hard. They've got to the point where they've become a magic personality, and that requires a lot of hard work and dedication and knowing what you're doing and all that stuff. But to have the same amount of money being given to people that have grinded through the game to people that they've decided are worthy of that money just seems really bad to me. And I've tried to word that in a way that I, doesn't make me sound like an arsehole, but I'm aware that I might. I just want to point out that, I mean, that's the thing, like, you know, the people, the, the streamers, the personalities that get invited to these things have done 
as much, if not harder work than these people, but it just, it, it's, it doesn't seem, like, I, I believe there was something going around that's saying that the, the people that, just your, your fee for turning up to the Mythic Invitational is as much as the first prize for winning a player's tour. And that definitely doesn't sit right. Yeah. You don't yeah. even have to play any magic and you get to get as much money as someone who wins an entire event. I don't understand how that works. And uh, it money, works but... because that's money that they can take from an advertisement budget, budget as opposed to a prize pool budget. Yep. I, I, it feels bad. Yeah. All of, all of it feels bad. Um, and I'm looking forward to editing this so I don't sound like a complete dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's just a series of decisions that just... It, it proves to me that they don't care about who plays their game. They care about getting more people to play it and putting more eyes on Arena and everything like that rather than creating a good game and that coupled with all of the absurd magic cards we've seen printed recently just it just makes me feel dejected honestly Every, everything game. everything just feels so pushed right it's just forced yeah. upon you and it's just absolutely when something's forced upon you you kind of don't want it you just become really yeah. desensitised to it and I think Definitely. that's what a lot of it's what a lot of established players are feeling at the moment myself included um mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's sad about the whole um, organised play thing, but it's kind of expected because Wizards really want to... They've put a lot of time and a lot of money into Arena, so they really want it to work. Admittedly, we're in the middle of a pandemic and people can't play Magic publicly anyway, but this is just kind of hasten the decision, I think. I think it was always yeah. going to end up this way at some point. It's just... They've just taken the opportunity to do it now. I mean, how sad is that? That I mean, this is this is a decision they've made that they're saying is in response to the current situation that's affecting everything. But we just sort of assume that they would have done this, and I agree with you. I think I think they would have made this decision I, I at some th- point anyway. I, I think I think it would have happened eventually. Probably not as quick yeah. as you know it's happening now. I think it would have been a, an eventual like weaned off paper magic, turn it into arena, and so forth. But it's not a problem in their eyes because SCG do a cracking job of running paper tournaments. It's people like us in Europe that get shafted because we don't have that sort of SCG replacement here. So it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. Yeah, I know. I, th- I think I agree with you. Just that, like they've just this just is a very convenient excuse for them to do things they were planning to do in the future anyway. Uh, and it it follows the pattern. Yeah, it's weird because. Um, they want to push arena as a sort of esport, um, but the life, the, like the life expectancy of an esport, is like five to ten years. So what happens when arena dies? Because it will do at some point. What what do you do then? Surely, surely it's more sensible to at least promote some support to paper magic because you're gonna to have to fall back on that at some point because arena will be irrelevant one day. It's years away. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong, but. There is going to be a time where Arena is just going to be terrible. Modo will probably not exist at this point as well. And you kind of have to lean on Paper Magic to, to bring in the money. And printing an absurd amount of product is not going to do that. Yeah, and the cards being that product, just pushing people away from Magic because it makes it miserable. Like, like you've got your Lurises and Zerdas and Uros and Teferis and Okos and just like... Like yeah, you have to fall back on paper magic at some point, and if you're just printing all these cards that make people want not want to play constructive magic anymore, then I guess their plan is to just rely on EDH when Arena dies, because <laughs> that's the only format well, that people are playing. They're, they're still doing it anyway, right? It's 
the fact that companions exist is a proof of concept that wizards acknowledge commander is the most popular format, right? Yeah, they want people yeah. to play constructed commander. That's essentially what the companions are, um, and they're they're throwing a lot of um, let's say attention to like commander players. But even they're getting tired of it because there's just so much stuff to keep up. Even like the current sets have so many commander cards that they have to look at every set and go, cool. Do I need this? Do I need that? Usually they could just switch off and just worry about the precons every year. Now it's so much different. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've 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 probably said that on here before. Just like before, you know, like when I first started playing Magic, every time a set got released, I'd pick up like one card for one deck, and then that would be it until the next set. And then maybe there wasn't even a card for a deck. But now, yeah. I mean, with the Courier, I've you know picked up twelve different cards for my decks that they just yeah. have to go in because they're just better than cards I had before. And you're talking about like s- stuff like Reconnaissance Mission, which is a strictly better postal co- uh, pi- piracy, coastal piracy. Jesus. Um, <laughs> And so, like, but there's loads of cards that I've just put in decks that are just better than cards I was playing them before because yeah. they've just pushed everything. Even thrown back to like what we were talking about, like products before, like your your double masters. It's your it's your limited environment, your premium limited environment full of commander cards. But then you've yeah. got commander masters coming out, which is a commander set, which is also a limited set where you have and to craft forget- a commander. And not forgetting the the green spell book that's coming out, which is going to have the green staple commander cards yeah, in it yeah. as well. Commander oh collection my god, green. I'd forgotten about that. Oh Christ! That just proves the and point. And then and then you've got Zendikar at the end of the year, and that will have some really cool land shenanigans because people want cool lands for their commander decks. Yeah, like Zendikar like, has two commander decks as well. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> and I know people before who would just strictly play Commander, they would play nothing else, they would just like, do the old pre-release here and there, but mostly they would just do Commander. Every year they would pre-order the whole set of five pre-cons, and that would be it. That would be their only financial investment, because they really enjoy Commander and they want to build new decks. Now they have to just go, oh gee, do I want to buy an Aquaria box to get these really cool like free colour legends? Do I want to buy this Double Masters that's just come out that's got like a... Do I want to roll the lottery on a Mana Crypt? Like... It's, it just seems really, I don't know, like the milk and the cow, but the cow is really skinny and there's just nothing left to give. Like, <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, that's a very good, a very good metaphor to use. They're just, yeah, like just, they're very much, they, they did say that 2020 would be the year of Commander, but you're right, if you compare it to previous years, it was, oh, you can buy the, the four or five precons are every year. This year, there are seven Commander precons a commander from the vault and a commander master set in or I guess a commander horizon set really and let's not forget the broad decks that have these really cool exclusive cards that can be played in commander like arcane signet yeah, yeah. <laughs> and commanders in those broad decks that are incredibly pushed and better than any other commander you've had before like the amount of two lane vault decks that are getting built like it's you're they're trying to turn commander players into entrenched constructive players in the fact that they have to care about everything because as someone that plays, you know, yes. Legacy and, and Modern and Pioneer, I have to care about every every card they release, right? Because it might be relevant. And Commander, you never really had that problem. You, and now you just like there's so much to there's so much to pass it's, in terms of Commander. It's almost it's like an information overload. And once that happens, you just have to pull away. And you can you can definitely see that there will be some Commander players that will just be put off from the game purely because they can't keep up because FOMO exists and FOMO is a horrible thing. And 
you know, there's a lot of maintenance and tuning with these commander decks, and if you fall behind, you're probably going to lose as well, because everyone else would be trying to keep up. Yeah, if everyone's got an arcane signet and you haven't, then you're strictly worse off, right? And it starts like that, and... and it's, it's easy to go, oh, just pick your lane with whatever format, but it's impossible at the moment, because there's just so much, there's so much crossover. It's really difficult to go, oh yeah, I'll just pick commander. You know, there's so much product coming out for commander, you can't like really ignore it yeah well that's the thing there's always the arguments of pick your lane not every product is for you but the the lanes are so wide at this point that there's just so much because it's not just like picking a narrow lane and that's all you care about because it's just been expanded and expanded and expanded with all these products and all these things going on that it's hard to just narrow down and and hone in on one thing that you care about because the one thing that you care Mm -hmm. about is just so expansive now that yeah I mean they they tried to capitalise on FOMO and that's biting them back I think because they're, like, they're trying to make all these things unmissable and you have to get the secret there and you have to get uh, this double master set and you have to get commander legends and you have to pick up these commander decks and it's just at a certain point it's like, I don't care anymore I haven't got the time or the money to, to keep picking up all these things it's, it's, it's also I, I, I also understand that no one really comprehended that we'd be in the middle of a global pandemic there'd be lockdowns and all this stuff but pushing all this product just seems a really weird time because no one can play it. I understand they have to honour their releases and try and make people buy it, but they can't play it. They can't do anything with it. So it's a really weird sort of scenario for them to be in because I, I, I suspect they will make a loss on this at some point. They kind of have to. Yeah, think. definitely. I mean, like you know, there's, there's been an uptick in, in the amount of people playing Magic Online. Like, not, <laughs> not Magic Online, but Magic over the internet. Arena. Where, 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 with webcams, yeah, like, because I mean, I've I've picked up loads and loads of cards for a pioneer deck that I'm not going to touch, um, and you know, I've played I've played games on uh, webcam and stuff like that, but that's that, I mean that's exclusively commander, I guess. People play because no no one's sitting down to play legacy or yeah. vintage over that, are they? Not that yeah, I'm aware of. Nope. No. Not that I'm aware no. of. No. We can if you want, Joe. I said <laughs> I uh, I said I was never going to play legacy. But I'll play with you if you want. I need a Yorian in that case. Again, you can proxy a goddamn Yorian over Skype, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just... I love getting on this podcast and crapping on the company that makes them my favourite game in the world. It's one of my favourite mm. things to do. Uh, yeah, I, I like that we've, we've brought Emma on and uh, she's just as negative about all this as, as I am. <laughs> and Joe, you haven't managed to keep, <laughs> keep any of the posi- positivity going. <laughs> I'm, normally, I'm normally quite positive yeah. for the most part. Yeah, I you tend are. To have a, like, a, uh, I tend to have a fair outlook, but it's been really hard to maintain that when wizards do everything that's the opposite. I will say, though, in regards to like the push cards and you know all the bans that have happened and whatnot, I do think there is an element of that is, is partly Hasbro more so than Wizards. And I think people really struggle to di- like differentiate from the two. Um, I think with the amount of product that's come out, probably due to Hasbro influence, um, I don't think R&D can keep up with the playtesting. So I've, I do think the resources are incredibly limited and they just can't keep up. So mistakes like this slide more often than usual because they're probably not going to get extra funding for... Um, you know, for R and D and research and whatnot. So this stuff is getting out there, and you know, and wizards are getting flat for it. So I do think yeah, yeah, I, I, I do think you have to throw a bone to them to some extent. I don't think it's all their fault. Um, 
I think there's yeah, a, I think I, there's I, a lot behind the scenes that we don't know, and wizards won't show that because wizards are incredibly, you know, quiet on that front. They're very protective of their data, and I, I would assume that they have they have data which which justifies the choices there is, they're making. There's a you know, huge which, amount of NDA working for wizards, knowing information yeah. and so forth. But that that I mean, I have no I have no proof of that. That is just merely a thought. Um, but yeah, just for the amount of product that's coming out, I just don't think wizards have the time nor the resources to proof everything and make sure it's good and make sure it's not broken. They just kind of release it as it is because that's that's all they have. And they they know it's going to sell as well. And at the end of the day, they're a, they're a company. Their job is to make money, yeah. is to make lots of money. And you know, they know at this point they could print pretty much anything and it's going to sell out. Yeah. So they're, I think they're. It's it's not even like they're. They're incentivized to to put the, this extra testing and stuff in. Like, sure, maybe that'll happen, because of all the mistakes that we've seen going forward. But, yeah, it's not like they could even. Go to Hasbro or whoever's making these decisions and say, look, we need more time. We need more resources. We need more, whatever to, to test this properly. To do this properly. To do this more efficiently when everything's just being a success smash it right out of the door anyway Indeed. um also wizards have had a new president since in the last like year to 18 months a guy called chris cox yeah and his influence has been vastly like has in vastly impacted the game so i imagine a lot of it is stemming from him which is also coming from hasbro as well so it's very easy to yeah, like definitely. it's very easy just to slam like Gavin Verhey and Mark Rosewater for not doing their job properly, but they're doing the best they can with what they have, and it's probably a lot less than you think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like it's it's there's so much there's just so much we can talk about how wizards are bad, right? There's there's so many things you can criticize them on, and then there's so much more that we just don't know that you, it's probably also quite bad. Yeah, so I remember when Melissa de Torre did a daily MTG um, stream like one weekday. I think it was her and Paul Chion, um, and the yeah, the conversation the Oko came up. It's the Oko one. Yeah, it came yeah. up, and she was legitimately heartbroken about it. She was she looked like she was going to cry, to be honest. Um, and she was just like, yeah, it was a mistake, da, da, da. we know about this sort of thing. Um, it just kind of makes you realise that they are human beings and they do really care about the game. It's just yeah. a, a lot of what they do is out of their control as well. So I know it's yeah, quite easy to it's easy to be a keyboard warrior on Twitter and say all this stuff to people, but it's also important to understand there is a human being at the end of that. And they really care about what they do. Absolutely. They're not, they're not machines by any means. You don't need to attack me on my own podcast, ever. I'm just bringing a different perspective. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's why I'm I'm very careful to say Wizards of the Coast generally as a you know as a company, and a lot of my problems are levied at Hasbro as a corporation, rather than saying, oh, you know, Mark Rosewater did this because you know he's a he's a man who yeah, has to deflect a lot of shit being thrown at him throughout the day on Twitter from people that don't understand. How that's it. Works. It's the the people, the people who are making these decisions aren't the people that are dealing with the public. It's you know you're right when you bring up bring up Chris Cox and it's like well yeah prior to this he was um, he was CEO of um, of Microsoft I believe or vice president of Microsoft or something he was he was extremely high up in Microsoft and I think if you look at what happens in the world of video games especially you know, your big AAA video games then we're seeing a lot of things 
mirror certain tactics and things that, that they use um, for their, their customer bases in video games now creep into magic and it is stuff like like secret lairs and and exclusive skins and premium skins for arena and yeah I think it's very much a lot of the things that I see at least to come from come from influencers from the video games world and you know if it works well in that world and they're making unlimited amounts of money there then why wouldn't they just try it with their own game it's, it's also it's also change, isn't it? And people hate change normally. So yeah. when yeah. something different happens, it's natural to attack it and not necessarily to understand it. Um, like I started playing Magic back in 2014, and if you told me they would do like secret lairs and all this sort of stuff they're doing now, I'd be like, "You're having a giggle, right? That's that's that that's not going to happen." But it's just changed so much in that five years, like. At some point, you kind of have to stop and adjust because too much change is pretty bad for, uh, from a business perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I feel like we could talk about this for for hours, but I mean, yes. I think I've got generally, <laughs> generally all my feelings out. It is, it's a combination of the, the changes to the organised play stuff, the, the, the increased power level of the cards that they don't appear to have paid that much mind to, and just the relentless release of products, just all... When you add all those things together and just have them relentlessly shoved down your throat, it's just—it's so much to have to deal with. Uh, and I mean, this is why I've just started playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> they, they can't ruin that, can they? And they uh, I mean, it's already not great to begin with. Let's be honest. I mean, sure, we could talk about Blizzard flowers instead if oh you want. <laughs> nope, let's not do that. It's just a nice thing I do to get through this pandemic, Joe. Don't ruin it for me. <laughs> cool, right. Has anyone got any uh, any other burning issues to, to vent before we get out of here? Um, there's nothing else to really talk about, is there? Cool, so that is pretty much all we have time for this week. Um, how do you feel about the just the return of Master Set? Do you think it's as, as great as as we do? How do you feel about organised play and all all of the decisions that are being made? How are you participating in organised play? Have you been playing Webcam Legacy? <laughs> Hit us up on social media. You can get us on Twitter at twittercom hfdcast and also on Facebook at hfdcast. And if you want to find me on my own personal social media, I am at peachgardenoaf on Twitter. That's O for Fnef. Uh, and on Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon. You can find me in pretty much any of the magic groups. I'm bound to be talking about secret layers currently. Uh, if you want non-magic related doom and gloom, you can follow me on Twitter at snail69. Nice. Thank you very much. Uh, Emma, where can people find all of your things that you do? <laughs> right, so you can find me on Twitter at emzine, so that's E-M-M-M-Z-Y-N-E. Um, my articles for TCG Player go up every Tuesday at around 3 o'clock UK time. It's going to be, and this week is about Budget Colossal Hammer. Ooh, that's that great. That sounds excellent. Yeah, sweet deck. Re- it also, that's modern. And also, sweet. there is a there is a list for like Glistener Elves, which might be up your street. I mean, I hate modern, but I love Glistener Elves. <laughs> <laughs> sweet. And also, you can run Slippery Bogles, and that's like the best one mana one one ever. So I'm out. I'm firmly out. <laughs> I knew this was a mistake. <laughs> awesome. So once again, that's pretty much all we have time for this week. Once again, we're approaching the second hour that Godfarer has returned, so we'll see you again next week on Arrow Devastation. Mm-hmm.